We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could give this feeling. I wish I could give this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to a holiday special of the Corner Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you guys are eating good. No struggle plates this year. I'm Kel Dansby. Yes, sir, and it's Andreas Hill. And we are bringing you the best in combat sports and a little bit of hip-hop. Today, less hip-hop. None really dropped. Um, Not really to talk about. Quiet week in hip-hop, which yeah. is odd. No one's wilding out. So let's talk about the boxing matches that we were just at. That were pretty entertaining. So we had Miguel Cotto versus Canelo Alvarez, and it went how we thought it'd go. Besides people picking Cotto for some reason, like he showed something grand in his last couple of fights. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it was like I said, <clears throat> except I thought Cotto would start off fast. Uh, however, he didn't really start off fast. Cotto actually started off kind of slow and uh, allowed Canelo to dictate the pace, um, use the size, use the strength. And pretty much control a majority of the fight. I mean, I thought the scorecards were a little wide. Uh, I had it myself, 116, 112. I kind of called that. But 119 was a uh, one level. That was kind of wide for me. But it, it was ex- exactly what I expected to go. It just My thing is, Canelo looked like a, a monster in the ring. He looked like a light heavyweight. Yo, at, at his correct weight, he's hard to beat. And that's why I said Floyd was smart. Floyd made him cut so much weight. He drained him. That's not the Canelo. That's not the peak performance Canelo and Floyd knew that that's what makes Floyd the smartest fighter of all time he knows who to fight when to fight them and how to fight them and then now when we see him at a normal weight even 155 during weigh-ins he was like cut and then the next day he had no definition he had to be 175 176 they didn't even step on the scales because they didn't want to let it be known 
how much they weighed that night. But he was a good 10 pounds bigger than Kodo. Yeah. And his punches showed it. Kodo's, none of punch, Kodo's punches even touched Canelo and made him wince. Uh-huh. Everything was little pat shots. You know, he, he had the little left that we expected, the left hook. That's all he had, really, was that left hook. And it wasn't even phasing Canelo. Yeah, I mean, size made a huge difference in that fight. I mean, Canelo looked good. Um, Cotto boxed well. It wasn't like he had it. He was bad. He was just completely, you know, the, the youth, the the size. I mean, really the size. Cotto couldn't do nothing to affect Canelo. You know, the thing is that um, we all expected a, a little bit more of an exciting fight. And this fight, though it was good, it was a little underwhelming from a, from a performance standpoint point because... We didn't get the war that we expected to see, the Puerto Rican-Mexican rivalry, um, two guys who rarely have a bad fight. They both were really cautious uh, with one another. There was a couple of rounds where they started swinging at each other and, you know, the fans got out of their seats. But for the most part, man, it was it was a good fight. But I think we, we, we expected a little bit more out of these guys. But the thing is, is that I'm looking at Canelo walking around in this in the ring at 175, and I'm like, so you're not going to fight Gennady Golovkin at 160? Is that what you're telling me? You're a giant. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. I mean, once again, you look at his defense in the ring, which was something that blew me away during the fight, because Canelo's defense was so good. His head movement and just being able to make Cotto miss and just standing there and just moving around and just toying with him at times. There's a lot of little stuff Canelo learned from that Mayweather fight in the ring. And there's a lot of stuff he learned from that Mayweather fight outside of the ring. And one is, is when you're the big guy on the totem pole, when you're the A-side, you do whatever you can to gain an advantage. And he saw Mayweather make him cut down for no reason and drain all that weight, and he's going to make Gennady do the exact same thing. Because he knows his power didn't translate when he went down to fight Mayweather. So he's thinking, ah, Triple G, if I make him cut to 155... Somewhere uncomfortable, his power is not going to translate either. He's going to be drained, and that's how I'm going to win this fight. So he's not stupid. He knows he can make that weight. Sure, he could. He can make 160 comfortably. He could be eating. No, he can cut down and be comfortable and still jump up 20 pounds. He's not sure Triple G will jump up 20 pounds if he cuts down to 155. Well, I mean, so if you have Canelo at 175, Triple G at 165 the night of a fight, it's a huge difference. Yeah, I, I just think, um, for for lack of a better term, it's kind of a bitch move. Uh, you just won the middleweight title that's defended at a weight of 160 pounds, and you need to defend that title and just give it up. I mean, you might as well not even put your hands on the WBC title that night. Because what's the point? Because you're not going to defend it against Gennady Golovkin. You're going to try to force him to come down, which, to me, as Golovkin's the number one contender and the rightful owner of the other middleweight titles where they're looking to unify, why wouldn't you fight him at 160? It's you know I, I get what Canelo's trying to do, and I get what Oscar's saying because really he's your last investment in the Golden Boy. He's he's your last man standing. Yeah, um, but it's the fight that everybody wants to see. Cinco de Mayo, Canelo and Golovkin is a fight everybody wants to see. There's no reason why this fight shouldn't happen unless you're just kind of protecting your investment. Because honestly, after watching that performance, I, I think Golovkin kills him. My problem with Canelo is he still doesn't throw combinations. He still pot shots, throws one punch at a time. He didn't cut off the ring very well. Um, and Golovkin does all those things exceptionally well, and I think he just pick him apart in the fight. Well, someone has to move backwards in this fight. That's what still puzzles me. I don't know who's going to fight effectively moving backwards. Because both fighters are just so often are charge first, go forward. Canelo now has lateral movement. But even Cotto, when Roche told him, back him up, back him up, he really couldn't keep a game plan to really put him on his heels. So I don't know how Triple G does that either. 
I think, um, I think it makes it a lot easier. Like I said, that amateur and Olympic background is going to come into play. He can box, and you know Canelo never used the jab in this fight. Canetti can use the jab, and controlling the pace with the jab is going to be key. And as good as Canelo is, I don't think, he, like I said, I don't think he throws enough punches and bunches to keep somebody like Gennady Golovkin respecting his power. I think Golovkin picks him apart. I just don't think. I think it's a good. Well, fight. we, we but, saw the same with Lara, though. I mean, it was the same thing. For all purposes, Lara picked him apart. Canelo left with the W. Well, that's different. Lara's not a big puncher. I don't think. I think when Gennady hits Canelo, it's a different story. And he puts his punches together well. When you watch Canelo, you watch him throw one punch at a time, and he'll headhunt or he he walk Canelo into the uppercut. He's used to having a size advantage. He won't have a distinct size advantage against Gennady Golovkin. Miguel Cotto looked like he struggled to be a 155. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a different story fighting Golovkin. Again, I, from a business standpoint, I get it. You don't want to, you know, throw your money in the trash with, with Canelo because once he gets beat down by Golovkin, Golovkin it kind of hurts. Um, he's your biggest star right now. He might be the biggest star in boxing, the biggest pay-per-view draw. But, man, if you're going to defend the middleweight titles, defend the damn middleweight titles. Just, or just go to junior middleweight and go for those titles. Don't, don't commit this fraud of saying that you're the middleweight champion, but you're fighting as a junior middleweight. That shit is whack. Yo, he's he's a smart guy. <laughs> but you know I mean, what? Floyd, Floyd did it, and people had to take it. That, that was the, the fact of the matter. Floyd did it, and people were, weren't happy about it then. But he's the best, and you got to come fight him. And he didn't give a damn, and it preserved his record. And I think De La Hoya, one, is smart enough to see that that formula works. As yeah. much as he doesn't like Floyd or he wants to throw little stupid shots at him, De La Hoya knows what Floyd did worked. Now he's just swagger jacking that whole style. And he's saying, you know what? For the bigger fighters, we make them cut down because we can't, because we're the A side. Yeah. But for the smaller fighters, we fight where we're comfortable, 154, and you're going to be big as hell anyway. And if anything, we pay money so you come in heavy. Yes. Like I said, it, it just sucks. It's the fight that we want to see, it's, it's the middleweight champions to unify the titles, and Cano's not going to do it. So It's going to happen. Not, well, not now. But eventually, of course, it's going to happen. Well, it's gonna it happen. might not be this Cinco de Mayo, but Cinco de Mayo 2017, they're on a collision course. You can't run forever. Well, you know, Cinco de Mayo next year, I, I'm kind of predicting that we're going to see Tim Bradley versus Canelo Alvarez. That's, that's the thing I'm, I think we're going to end up seeing. Um, be a good fight. Yeah, yeah but Tim, Tim will be outsized. It'll be a fight that has give Canelo all the advantages. Uh, Tim Bradley doesn't seem too fond of fighting Pacquiao again, and he's definitely not going to fight Terrence Crawford. So... Why not take a big money fight? You know, he's up there in age. He wants to go to war. Uh, he looked great against Brandon Rios. Teddy Atlas sat behind me during the fight, which was, I think was hilarious because I had him commentated for me, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen to Teddy Atlas tell me everything that Canelo and Cotto were doing wrong and were doing right. I think Yo, that guy sees him. everything. I, I still I don't understand how he does it. He's, I was telling someone this like a week ago. I was like, he sees everything in real time like it's slow motion. Yeah. He's, Teddy Atlas is brilliant. So it was interesting. There was a c- couple of things. Teddy Atlas was there. Uh, Juan Manuel Marquez was sitting behind me at the fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look at like every bad character in a Zorro movie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Marquez was talking about he wants to have another fight. He wants to go for a fifth world title. Um, he wants to fight Mexico City, but it won't be against Manny Pacquiao. Uh, so he kind of told us that. Um, seeing Teddy Atlas walking around, we saw Joel Diaz, Tim Bradley's old trainer. They were like five feet apart. And they were talking to different in inter, different interviews. And Joel Diaz says he wants Provodnikov versus Bradley. Atlas says he doesn't want to get involved. Freddie Roach says some things about Teddy Atlas. It was it was weird. Teddy was like in this weird circle because he's a trainer now. Um, yeah. 
But again, like I want to, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Canelo and Tim Bradley. I wouldn't mind seeing Tim get the check. But uh, it's, I know a fight I want to see. There's another fight on this card though for anybody that missed it: the uh, Francisco Vargas Takashi Miura fight. Holy shit! Might be fight of the year. It, it's, it's top five, like back and forth, knockdowns. Vargas looked like he was down and out. He was gassed entering that ninth round. Then he comes up with the miraculous punch. It, it was just an amazing fight. If anyone is going to catch the replay on Saturday, the free one, make sure you just don't tune in for Canelo Cotto. Tune in. They have to show this fight beforehand. Watch it. It was a fight of the night. It made the pay-per-view money worth it. Yeah and, yeah. and that's the key. You want that good co-main, and we we're like, oh, Andre Ward is out. Guess what? The Andre Ward fight wouldn't have been as good as this one. He would have rolled over some poor sap, and it would have been boring, and you would have been in the VIP area chilling instead of ringside watching this fight. Man, look. So the day they, when they announced this fight, because Francisco Vargas is known as the Mex- I mean, uh, Tecasimir is known as the Mexicutioner, where he beats up Mexican fighters. Uh, Vargas is a, is a great fighter. So when I saw this on paper, I figured this was going to be a phenomenal fight. Fortunately, it ended up being the co-main event because the other fight that I was worried about being co-main event didn't happen as co-main event. Guillermo Rigondeaux, which we'll talk about that shitty fight in a minute. Oh, but, um, stunk it up. Jesus Christ. But um, this fight, I mean, Vargas comes in and he nearly kills Mira in the first two minutes of the fight. And then from that point, you know, the fight evens itself out. Miura gets knocked down at the third. Then there's, it's just a war back and forth between these two. And then Miura damn near kills Vargas in the eighth round. It to looked, end the eighth. He's saved by the bell. You know, Vargas goes back to his corner. I know I'm standing there. Uh, Teddy Atlas is behind me. I'm like, yo, they need to stop this fight. Vargas is done. Vargas gets off of the stool for the ninth and goes to the middle of the ring. I don't know if anybody saw it. Before anybody and slaps his gloves together like, come on. And I'm like, this motherfucker's crazy. Like, he's about to go get killed. <laughs> It's like watching Southpaw. Yeah, and then he just goes and proceeds to destroy Mura, destroy him. I it was it was it was shades of Diego Corrales, Juan Manuel Marquez. Um, when you thought this guy was done, I mean, it wasn't as good a fight as that. Nothing will be ever as good as Castillo Corrales. But dude, that was a phenomenal fight. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them have another re- have a rematch. It was just too damn good. Oh, yeah. I, I think in May, what, whoever may headline the pay-per-view um, with Canelo, I think that has to be a co-main again. Because you can just show highlights of the first fight, and people just register and say, oh, that was so dope, I want to see it again. And it sells automatically. And it's hard to really have a co-main that sells like that, unless you have an Andre Ward or another uh, up-and-coming name. But I think that's the fight that at least has to be the third fight on the card. No mm-hmm. lower than that. Um because I think Verdejo gets the co-main next time because he's healthy. Possibly, yeah. And, you know, the huge Puerto Rican audience or whatever. So depending on how that goes, we may see um, them build that up because they won't have the Puerto Rico-Mexican rivalry. But to showcase both is, is always good. Yeah, I mean, you know, the funny thing was is after the fight was over because there was a lot of Japanese media there, yo, the Japanese media were so sad. I mean miserable after watching Yuri get killed. <laughs> so when the Cotto Canelo fight happened, they were like disenchanted with the entire thing because they were expecting their man to win. They were still talking about it in Japanese. They looked very sad. They looked like they wanted to go home. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was great. <laughs> so let's talk about, all right. So there's Rock Nation had a, uh, three of their biggest fighters in town this weekend. Correct. Cotto in the main event. 
we had Guillermo Rigondeau on the undercard, and Andre Ward was in town. And we did, I did a roundtable with Andre Ward, so I'll start with him. And we talked about race and boxing. We talked about um, his perceived uh, disinterest in fighting, which he says is completely not true. He was really hurt. He said there's no reason why he wouldn't want to fight. Um, the reason, he, like, he kept telling me, he was like, yo, I wanted to fight Golovkin. I have the emails, and I'll show them to you, but I don't know if I should let you see my phone. And the whole table, we were like, let's see your phone. We want to see these emails. Um, Andre Ward came off very good. He looked like a man who really wanted to fight and wants to prove something. But the problem is it's so difficult because he's moving to light heavyweight. He's coming off of an injury. He was engaged in this contract war with Dan Goosen, and he fought on BT. I don't know. I'll just use that. He fought on BT. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, well, we want to believe you, Andre, but we, ne- we need to see you. We know you're probably the most talented, pure boxer out there, but you haven't fought anybody in years. So... What are you going to do? You know, I asked him because there's a lot of rumors, which some of them are very true, that the fighters that he presented to the commission that he wanted to fight, the commission turned them down. They were like, these guys are pitiful. Wow. You know, and Kovalev has signed on to fight John Pascal January 30th. So you would think that Andre Ward would want a quality opponent, but he hasn't picked anybody, you know, that's quality coming into February. We don't know who he's going to fight. He's looking at February and March. But at this point, it seems like Rock Nation is going to protect him with really shitty opponents. And I don't think that does anything for his career. It doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't help him turn the Kovalev fight into a pay-per-view. It doesn't help him market that in any way. Uh, if he picks up a shitty opponent, it's going to be right back on a BT or shit. He might end up on a TV1 or whatever. Jesus Christ, the next step, The <laughs> next step down because right now no one's checking for him. And he needs to ask his boss because his boss will give him the greatest quote possible for this situation he'll say we don't believe you you need more people right that's it because you say all this stuff and we'll talk about another guy later who says all the right things and looks believable on camera or in front of the media but we don't believe you and like as simple as that so you wanted to fight you weren't healthy enough to fight but then even then you don't want to fight anyone of quality but you claim to still be an elite fighter you said you would take the triple g fight but all your actions say you moved up because the Triple G fight would have came along just as quickly. So you wanted Kovalev. Now why do you want Kovalev? Like, and so like everything there's, I don't want to say an excuse, but he's overly calculated. And that's what has hurt his career. He didn't want to fight out his contract. Overly calculated. I'll just be a commentator until I'm out of it. Make him move. Rock Nation. Okay, but now where does that put you in a stable of fighters? Yes. Everything's just overly calculated, and then it backfires on him, and he has no answer for it. No, it's, it, it's he's wasting time, yo, and and he's wasting talent and his prime. And honestly, if he fights a bunch of nobodies, he's gonna go in there, and Kovalev's gonna take his head off, and it's gonna be over in a blink of an eye. Yeah, it's like I said, I like Andre Ward. I like him as a person. I like him as a fighter. I just don't like the image that he's projecting. And we talked about, you know, this very interesting conversation about how black fighters are treated. And which is a lot of it is true. Black fighters get a lot of flack for things that have, you know, other fighters do that doesn't matter. There's really no country for black fighters. We don't have America. We don't have a country like Mexico to back us. You know, so anything that we do, it's like we either have to be the bad guy or we don't exist or we're the B side. So and I, I agree with that sentiment. However, with Ward, it's like your opportunities are there and you need to start taking them. 
and you're getting not that you're out of your prime i mean you're still in your better years but we're just not seeing you do and you're signed to rock nation which means you're getting a lucrative contract uh i mean if miguel Cotto can make 15 million dollars for this fight against canelo ward's making a, a nice buck too so we just need to see you you know fighting kovalev which looks like it'll be 2017 which is a big fight a big great fight but Nobody really cares to see you right now, dude. No, no one's going to tune into that. I mean, Kovalev, who is extremely talented, maybe the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now, um, doesn't bring in ratings. Like, the average casual fan doesn't know Kovalev. He's not on ESPN, necessarily. Like, he's not a big marquee name. Uh, they're not talking about him on first take. Like, who is Kovalev going to fight next? He doesn't garner that interest. Well, I mean, he, so, he is a draw. What, like, don't, don't get it wrong. He does well on HBO. He's just not a mainstream draw. He's not a... He's, that, he, that's HBO. Are, are, are they planning pay-per-views? Are they planning HBO? Well, see, I, that's the problem. We don't know. I mean, Kovalev-Ward is a big fight, but it's almost feeling like Ward-Dawson. Like, it's going to be really big for HBO, but that's about it. That's a horrible ceiling for that, then. Which, Andre Ward doesn't care, because he's getting his money regardless. But for Kovalev and HBO, that's pretty bad. We'll see what happens because, I mean, the, the momentum that Kovalev has had, he's still gaining a lot of fans. It's just Ward has to do his part to carry that fight. Um, but, the, you know, it's Rock Nation, which leads me to my next guy who fought on the undercard, Guillermo Rigondeaux, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, the, probably the greatest amateur fighter of all time, fought a completely dreadful fight. What it was, was like he was back in the Olympics. It was, it was that boring. He might as well have had headgear on. What? Oh my God, man. I can't even I can't even put in words. Like, this is your showcase. This is your time. That's why he was on the card. That's why they added him so late. Show what you can do. Build your fan base. It's a pay-per-view. Make you the next star at that weight. And he couldn't do it. I mean. He didn't even look average. Yo, all right. It's, this is really frustrating because Guillermo Rigondeaux gets added to the card to fight Drian Francisco, which Drian Francisco, here's the thing people don't know, the week before, the, about a week or two before, Francisco was on the scale getting ready to fight some other fighter, and he was sick. So it was really a short notice fight. And Francisco, not the fight, not this fighter, the one before this, but the one before it, he got knocked down in the first round by like some journeyman. So mm. this was the complete opportunity for Rigondeaux to showcase his talent on, a, on probably the biggest stage that he's going to have which is a Dakota Canelo pay-per-view. He came up there and completely stunk up the joint. And really, all it was was him backing up, looking to counter. And that's really all that happened because Francisco wasn't good enough to get to him. He wasn't fast enough. Francisco was frustrated. Rickendall does it. All he was looking for was for counter-punching opportunities. So this fight was dreadful. And it makes you think, damn, Rock Nation, you have Andre Ward. And now you have Guillermo Rickendall, who nobody ever wants to see again. Yeah, and Cotto's halfway out the door. Stop the checks. They need to go back to the drawing board, try to get someone young, something, someone exciting. That's the only thing you need, someone exciting. Just shake it up a bit, because right now you have really good boxers. I'll give them that. They have really sound boxers. Rickendow, as boring as hell as he was, he was still a really good boxer. It just looks like he was trying to outpoint the guy. Andre Ward is a world-class boxer. He's not going to knock everyone out. He's a great boxer. But now they have to go get some people who are flashy and exciting. Because you need that balance. You need that to sell in boxing. 
Yeah. You look at PBC and Al Heyman, they have great boxers, but then they also have knockout artists. Yeah. And you can sell both. I, I, dude, I don't know. Like, PBC, we'll have this conversation another time. PBC has just gone too crazy for me. I, I can't keep track of nothing. And they just put, too many fights? Well, too many fights, too many networks. And now we got Danny Garcia fighting uh, Robert Guerrero. Like, what the hell? Well, come on. Well, they're trying to, you know, grab that Puerto Rican-Mexican rivalry. But it's right not, now, it's in Guerrero, L.A. The fight's in L.A. Why well, because you want you no. want to just pack it out. You're not. Smart, smarter than it being here in Vegas. They're not going to draw people to Vegas. Why don't you have that fight in Philly or Barclays? Oh, it, Barclays would be good as well. It'd um, be better. I, I mean, ain't nobody coming to see Guerrero. LA is not bad. I don't. I don't mind. LA comes out to see any Mexican fight. I've uh, been in StubHub. It's not that crazy. That fight's not going to do well in LA. That fight should be closer to Danny Garcia's home in Philly. Um, it just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And then on top of that, is, is Guerrero hasn't looked good at all. He looks worn. He's perfect for Danny Garcia to roll over. Oh, that's perfect. Right now, he's the jobber. He's the jobber of PBC, and he has Mayweather on his resume, even though it's a loss. So he has a little bit of a name. He's still living off of that I fought Mayweather name, and that's key for a lot of young fighters in boxing. And that's what Keith Thurman looks at too. He was like, "Yo, I'm not gonna fight Mayweather. I'm just gonna fight everyone Mayweather fought." Because then you can compare yourself to Mayweather. It brings up conversation, and that's that's always great. Yeah. Well, anyway, that fight, that whole fight, disgusts me. PBC as a whole is just ridiculous. But let me go back to this. Rock, <laughs> let me go back to Rock Nation. So, Rock Nation, you have two of the best pound for pound fighters in the world, and Guillermo Rigan down and Andre Ward, who potentially have two very huge fights in their own respect. You have Ward versus Kovalev, and you have Rigandow versus Lomachenko. But, okay. But the problem is, is that your guys aren't holding up their end of the bargain. And you, as a promoter, Jay-Z, and, and as a promotion, Rock Nation Sports, aren't making your fighters bigger fight names in, this, in the world of boxing. They're not the A-side on either of these cards. Rigandow versus oh, yeah. Lomachenko. Lomachenko's the draw because nobody wants to watch Rigandow fight. Kovalev's going to be the draw against Ward. It, it's kind of frustrating because these guys are, as good as they are, Rock Nation's not doing a great job promoting them. And then you go to Cotto, who clearly got ran over by Canelo and, you know, wouldn't even do an interview after the fight, didn't even show up to the press conference, and then thinks he won the fight, which is ridiculous. But Eight he, rounds he thought he won. Eight yeah, rounds. He's crazy. It's like when Manny Pacquiao said he won, like delusional fighters, whatever. But you got, you, Cotto's on his way out. So as a promotion, Rock Nation Sports, it's like, you guys got to do something. Jay-Z, you need to get in there and, and start speaking for your guys. Because it has to be hands-on. Yeah. yeah. Or, or don't do it at all. And then the last thing, the last thing I want to say before we move away from boxing, please don't have another performance at a fight with that kid Yandel or anybody. Yo, he was lip singing. Crazy. Lip singing his ass off. It was terrible. And then then having explosions in the arena right after the Paris. Ducking for cover. Come on, man. Like everything about what Rock Nation did this weekend was bad for business. And and I cap it off with that Yandel performance because, like, I'm sitting there watching and there's people next to me like, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, dude. And then an explosion happens. I'm like, let's run because we're going to die. So, uh, the the weekend. I believe believe you're just up out of their chair. Gone. Yo, I was ready to be out. So, Rock Nation needs to get their act together. They were, and, you know, from a media standpoint, they were terribly understaffed. I ended up doing an interview with Guillermo Regendown. I was uh, walking with one of the publicists and she just looked so flustered. Like, she just couldn't handle the weekend. Um. It was just too much. Like the weigh-in was a travesty. It was in that little ballroom, and so ultimately, Rock Nation just—they have to get their act together, man. It's just you can't, 
you just can't put on these big shows and be understaffed or not promote your fighters or have your fighters looking weak. It was just it was a rocky start for Rock Nation. This was their yeah, big weekend. Yeah, but I mean, this is what you know. What I I, I don't want to give them a pass necessarily, but we're seeing growing pains. We're seeing the learning curve because they went out and got really good fighters, fighters that could be big name fighters before they knew how to handle the business of fighting. So they didn't promo smaller cards first. They they really didn't have three years in to just see how everything works. They jumped right into it. I mean, they've done just, smaller just cards. First. They, they've had smaller cards in New York. For like three years? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But that it's been, what, a year, year and a half? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's just, you know, when you jump out of the frying pan into the fire, you need to figure it out fast. You know, you don't really they, have time they, to mess it up. This was trial, trial by fire, and the second time around won't be as bad as this. And I think that's what they're counting on. Like, yeah. yo, it's never going to be that hard. I just so I don't know if the second time up. let's go. I don't know if the second time is going to be as big as Canelo Cotto should have been. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, they dropped the ball on that. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as big. I mean, pay per views are coming in. I think 900 thousand projected, where they were talking 1.5, 1.8. Yeah, it just and it it could have been no lie. It could have been um, just didn't promote it well. No interviews beforehand. Even if you have a predominantly Spanish audience, um, send these guys on the Spanish circuit. There was no, no not even a Telemundo interview. <laughs> <laughs> like on a real Univision, nothing, nothing Ew. had an interview. Yeah. Like, come on, man. It, it's ridiculous. Know your audience. Go out there. Make them talk to somebody. Because even if they talk to those stations and say something of note, we're going to grab it and we're going to write about it. Yeah. Because it's an interview. It's a quote. So if they're not comfortable speaking English, let them do the Spanish circuit. Someone will translate it, and we'll take those quotes and run those stories. They did none of that. They got to figure it out. So the last thing on boxing before we move on to the shitty Survivor Series in WWE, um, Creed. I went and saw Creed. Kelly, have you, you haven't seen it yet, have you? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I, I wasn't invited to a fancy fancy uh, pre-screening or anything. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say that Creed was phenomenal. Um, by the time you guys listen to this, go see it. Michael B. Jordan did a hell of a job. Sylvester Stallone probably had one of his best performances as an actor since, like, Rocky won. Uh, and Ryan Coogler's direction was phenomenal. Uh, they're, they're talking about Oscar nominations, which I don't, I don't think are going to happen. But, man, for a boxing movie, for, it was way better than Southpaw. It was, and Michael B. Jordan's just that guy in terms of acting. Yeah, yo, he's a, he's a good actor. I don't know how uh, Fantastic Four messed it up so damn bad. Yeah. They have one hell of a cast, yeah. but uh, he's he's a good actor, yeah. and uh, I expect it to be good. And I can't wait to see it. I have a couple movies to actually see on Friday. That's what I'm planning to do is have a movie day, so well, I can watch all the stuff I I haven't seen. I gotta watch the Seth Rogen Christmas movie too. Yeah, I'm curious about the movie. But um, dude, before we start talking about Survivor Series, did you see the Civil Captain America Civil War trailer? Yo, so dope! Oh my god! It's like you gotta choose sides, and I was like, oh, I'm on Iron Man's side. Uh, the comic is just crazy. The comic books are really good, right? Like I've read the Civil Great. War comic books, so it's like seeing it kind of translate. I mean, of course, they're not using Spider Man; they're going with uh, Bucky uh, to be the catalyst behind this whole Civil War. But the trailer—I mean, we got our first look at Black Panther in the trailer. We got to see—I mean, Bucky and Cap beating the hell out of Iron Man. Yo, that trailer had me more hyped than the Star Wars trailer. And I really want to see the Star Wars movie, but seeing the Captain America no, Civil, Civil War... No, Civil War is going to be great. Bruh. I just don't know how they drop an Avengers film in between it. Well, 
if if the Civil War thing plays out as I expect it to be, and I don't want to give away too many spoilers, um, the Avengers movie is going is going to be it's a changing of the guard for the Avengers. There's going to be a lot of shifts on who's where. Um, but the Civil War storyline is one of the best storylines in in comic books in recent memory, uh, and it plays out very well too. Just hopefully the film translates. The Captain America looks very good. I don't know what they're going to do for the Thor movie. They better figure it out, but. You know, like I said, we got to look at uh, Black Panther, which Ryan Coogler, the director of Creed, was telling me that he's very interested in directing that movie, and I hope he gets it because Coogler is great. Um, but yeah, Civil War. No, I'm that'd be happy. dope. Um, I think Doctor Strange. The trailer's about to drop for that one. I mean, you know, um, it's, it's comic book season. Word. I I keep watching that that uh, what's his face trailer, just being amazed too. Deadpool. Oh, so it's. Well, yeah. it's that's there's so many good movies and comic book movies just changing in general. So I know, you know, we don't talk comics too much on the show. Um, there's obviously another show on the loudspeakers network for that, right? Which we got to get those guys on, or we got to be on there because we we love that as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm and, a comic uh, book nerd, so I do. yeah, I mean, you buy the the hip hop comic books every week and you read the comics and all that. And I've been a comic book fan, a Marvel fan specifically, like DC. Yeah, I haven't rocked with DC really, but Marvel since I was like three. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the way to go. So I'm hype about that. Um, before we get into, into Survivor Series and wrestling, it is Thanksgiving holiday. People will be listening to this over the holiday weekend. What are you having for Thanksgiving? We can't have a Thanksgiving show without talking food. I mean, I'm having the usual. I'm having all the fixings. I'm giving the fixings. Okay. I'm, I'm having the... T- I'm like, I'm, you know, I thought about going out. Um, but at this point, you know, it's, to me and the wife is going cool out, cook some food, and chill, probably watch some football, probably binge watch something. I haven't watched Jessica Jones on Netflix yet. I might, might, watch, I said, I might watch The Leftovers. I don't know what I'm watching, but yeah, I'm grabbing regular food, man. Like, I don't, I don't do nothing special. You would, think, you would think it's that simple, right? So I'll tell our fans real quick. So this is my first year. I'm going with my girlfriend over to her family's house for Thanksgiving. Really cool, big Thanksgiving, like 50 people. They do play settings. I had to RSVP, all that. Wow. So, yeah, it's the, it's the real deal. Um, so, cool. There's like a list they send out in the email because, yes, there's an email. Um, they send it out and they say, we have all of this food, tons of food. It's like bring – these are the things you can bring that we don't have. So it's like pie, um, the little stuff, you know, green beans, blah, blah, blah. I look through the list. I'm like, yo, what are we bringing? I'm looking. I'm like, ah. I was like, anybody got mac and cheese? And I was like, yo, I don't see it on the list. Like, it must have been taken already. And then she's like, um, we've never had mac and cheese at our Thanksgiving. Wait, what? Yo! (laughs) Scratch the record. Oh, my God. I was like, what? They've never had mac and cheese at their Thanksgiving. You sure they're not aliens? So I wrote it in. like, Like, I was voted for president, and I had the secret ballot. Wow. So I wrote it in like it was D's nuts on a presidential ballot. Wrote it in. Holy shit. Sent it. Her aunt, who is super cool, emails back right away. She's like, all right. She's like, is mac and cheese an appetizer or a main dish? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, hey, yo. I was like, I'm glad I didn't put like collard greens, like, like no neck bones. I'm glad I didn't go super Spanish and make a pending. I'm going to bring some coquito. These people are not going to know what it is. I'm going to be drunk as a skunk. I'll be the only one drinking it. Oh, my God. Yo, so they didn't know what mac and cheese was. Where are they? Are they and I was like... Wait, are they from the States? 
Yeah, they are uh, from Henderson. <laughs> uh, which, if you guys aren't from Vegas, it is like a, a little suburb attachment of Vegas. Um, they are of Caucasian upbringing. So, I mean, even then, though, like she has like cousins and you know members of the family who have married uh, ethnic people, and I'm like, no one has ever bought mac and cheese. Like, how do you have a Thanksgiving without mac and cheese? So I'm making a mac and cheese. I'm about to blow these people's mind. I got to enlighten them. Yo, like mac and cheese <laughs> is like the cornerstone of Thanksgiving. Like, Yo, if the mac and cheese is messed up, I'm out. That's the first thing I taste. That's what I'm saying. You're like, you're fired. Like, mac and cheese, like, if you don't have Thanksgiving with mac and cheese, like, you just might as well not have fucking Thanksgiving. Like, you just disrespected my life by not having mac and cheese. Like, if I show up and I see turkey, mashed potatoes, candy jams, and I don't see mac and cheese, I'm leaving. It's first over. off, I'm against mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving. Too regular. Yeah, you know. Then, yeah. even then, another pet peeve of mine on Thanksgiving, yo, greens, good, right? I, I don't mind greens. I, I love the greens. A little hot sauce on my greens, I'm fine. I hate when the greens juice gets on my other food. Well, yeah, that's always I, frustrating because it, it, it messes up every, it, you know. Like, yeah. So, it, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, uh, uh, I'm racist when it comes to my food. I don't like my, my foods commingling. I don't like Word, my, me either. Segregation yeah. on my plate. Yeah, I, I need my collard greens to stay away. Like, I'll put it on a separate plate because it's like, it's like you know, the, the bathroom for you and, and, you know, you're over here. This is your <laughs> Word, this is this exactly what I do. I'm glad we agree on something. I need a separate plate for my greens. I don't, I don't put, you know, food on top of food. I don't do that. So don't like have me come around, have my turkey on the plate, my ham on the plate, and you try to scoop some yams on top of my turkey. Nah, man, this is this is the part right there. I need to see everything. Yeah, I don't even like my rolls on top necessarily. Yeah, rolls, man. cornbread, like yo, here goes another plate. We're yeah. good. My Thanksgiving dinner, here. my Thanksgiving dinner has to be photograph ready. Like, like when you look at it, it's like, yo, are you gonna take a picture of that? And I probably won't, but I'm looking at it like that's how good it looks. It's, it's. It looks. I don't like slop on my plate. That's that's all I'm saying. No slop. Nah, I, I can't do it. I mean, I'm gonna try to take a picture. I'm gonna take a picture of my mac and cheese. It'll be on the Instagram. But I'm gonna try to take a picture of my plate from there. It's crazy. It's like six turkeys, three hams. It's gonna be an experience I've never done. Like a super huge Thanksgiving before. Uh, my family's pretty small, and I'm the cooker all the time. So, especially out here in Vegas, I really don't have fam. So I cook me and my friends, or just for you know me and my little fam, and we eat. But man, it's my first time going somewhere like that. That's so structured. And I was like, yo, no mac and cheese. I was like, I'm about to be the savior of this Thanksgiving. Yeah, you guys let me know how that goes. So speaking of slop, let's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about WWE Survivor Series, which was, in my opinion, hands down, the shittiest pay-per-view of the year. Would you oh, agree? easy. Easy, easy. I mean, I didn't like Money in the Bank that much. Um, it could just be the Sheamus winning Money in the Bank angle. But this is equally as bad because Sheamus left with the belt, and which I said could happen last week, and I didn't brace myself for it. Like, it's one of those things where you know it can happen. It's like, yo, he has the briefcase, and it's now or never. And I just kept saying, now or never, now or never. But when it happened, I was like, shit, it's now. Like, it, it actually happened. I, I can't believe it. And I don't know if it bothers me. I saw him on Raw. We'll talk about that a little later. He's not a horrible champion. Um, he's not over by any means. But I don't mind him as a champion. 
it's just it, it was shocking to see. And when Roman obviously won the tournament, everything he won clean over Ambrose. Twenty minutes left to go. This celebration. I'm like, damn. Well, we know what's gonna happen. Man. All right. So, without going through, like, we'll backtrack it through the rest of the car, which was it's just a pile of shit. The whole car would just suck. But the Roman Reigns Dean Ambrose match was very like when it happened. I was like, oh, maybe there's gonna be a swerve. Maybe Triple H is gonna come out. Roman Reigns beat Dean Ambrose in nine minutes. That was like a Raw episode type of match. The, the finish, oh, yeah. The finish Smackdown. Came, yeah, it came so fast with, with Ambrose like bouncing off the turnbuckle, running into a spear, and he got pinned clean, no kick out, no drama. At that point, you just kind of knew that Sheamus was cashing in. But I was just, I mean, how, how disappointing. No swerve, no drama, no nothing. Like, you know, before we get into all this, well, let's go back. Alberto Del Rio versus Roman Reigns, boring as shit. Pretty good match. I thought Not, it was boring as shit. It's, I, I mean, not a huge Del Rio fan. Um, I like the new finisher, but outside of that, I'm not a huge Del Rio fan. And I was like, okay. Like, him and Reigns did some decent work. It could have been worse. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I'll, I'll take that. That match was better than the finals match. But, well, well here's, here's my problem. Like, the, they started off super boring. Del Rio has no heat on him because the Mex-American angle is just stupid. And they just keep trying to do something with it. But the... Didn't Alberto Del Rio just beat John Cena clean a month ago? Why did yes, he, he get? He got taken out so easily by Roman Reigns. It was that shit was that was terrible. Um, then we had Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose, which I was hoping would have been a better match. And it seemed like just when they got some momentum going, Dean Ambrose wins with the Dirty D's. And yeah, it was it was over too quick. Yeah, and it was like, oh, it's over. It's like, oh, okay, I guess they're trying to preserve these two for their feud coming up, which made me I was think, just about to say that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, all right, Ambrose is going to lose. So I guess we'll rifle through the rest of the card real quick. So then um, have- Best part of the card, by the way, New Day entrance promo. To oh, cut yeah. a promo on a pay-per-view, incredible. Yeah. The match itself was trash. Um, I, Sheamus, this is where I didn't understand the booking. And this is where I said Sheamus was going to cash in. Not that it was a big shock. Anybody with a brain at a certain point, you figured that Sheamus was going to cash in. But Sheamus ends up being like the babyface, fighting off three guys at the end of this match and then loses. Why was he booked like that? I don't understand. Why? To not make him look weak. I mean, if he loses against three guys, it preserves some strength in your head, you know, theoretically. But he's the so, heel. Yeah, even even if, though, he's going to cash in at the end of the night. So, remember when Rollins cashed in? He lost clean the night, uh, earlier in the night. Yeah, the Randy, to Randy Orton, Orton. To, like, a spectacular and it was an amazing RKO. Match. Yeah. But this was the spectacular. <laughs> and then cashed in later. Sheamus is not going to give you something spectacular. It just wasn't happening. So, I mean, the only thing they could have done better is maybe have Sheamus go five or, or four on one knock out three of them, and then lose? Because he looks really strong, but then people would have been like, oh, he's cashing it. Yo, it, yo, it was I wish just, we knew this shit anyway. Look, the New Day, like the whole tech, like New Day leaving when Xavier was, look, first of all, props to Xavier was hair. That shit was phenomenal. Oh, incredible. And incredible. I, I thought it was inspired by Fallout. I'm not completely sure yet, but... um, Late to the heaven. Jesus, he was, he was amazing. Um, Wade Barrett soaking in the New Day's angle was great. And Seamus just kind of looked like the odd man out. Like Seamus just looked like he was hugging his briefcase and he was kind of there. It was just, it was, it was. Seamus said, "Get jiggy with it." Yeah, it just he looked mad awkward. But anyway, 
that match was weird, whatever. Um, after that match, we had the Charlotte Page match, which I thought was terrible. It wasn't good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it could have been so much better. I don't... Supposedly, what I've heard is they're building up to the first women's ladder match at TLC. Um, I, I don't know. It, it could have been worked so much better. I always thought Paige was such a good wrestler. Um, and I was like, man, these, these girls on the main roster really are holding her back. And then seeing the NXT girls go. And then when those three came up, I was like, yo, Paige is really going to step in. Kind of fill that role that uh, Bailey had. And these four can have a rivalry that carries Raw and SmackDown and then pay-per-views. But now when Paige is in the ring with better wrestlers, I, I don't see it. She's she's not the risk taker these other girls are. I mean, she's not taking the same bumps. Like sooner or later, you can put people on a table. You better put them through that damn table. Well, yeah, we... do something shocking. Do something women aren't supposed to do, and that's what these girls do. They do stuff that is shocking. They push the envelope. They did it in NXT. They're going to do it when they get the platform on the main roster. <sighs> Paige is just slow to it. It's like he'll do something. See, she's still caught in that, like, diva's mold. I was here before. This isn't AJ Lee. This isn't the Bellas. Stop being dainty. Don't don't just be halfway to real wrestling. She, I mean, she's caught in a weird place, man. I don't like it. Well, this is my take on it. First of all, to, to have that promo that Charlotte and Paige had uh, talking about Reed Flair's death and all that, that crap on Raw. And then have Charlotte come into the ring and it doesn't turn into an all-out brawl within two minutes of the bell ringing or before the bell rings. Like, Charlotte still came in the ring smiling. That was stupid. It was a waste of an angle. It was a waste of, uh, it was a waste of using somebody's death in your storyline. Like, that Correct. was terrible. But, you know, I don't blame Paige and I don't blame Charlotte. They just are two very awkward dance partners. Like, they, they just don't gel well together. Their chemistry is terrible. Like, they just don't, it's, it gets really sloppy. Like, they try to look stiff at some moments, and it didn't look good. Like, the figure eight was sloppy. Like, it was just, it was a shitty match. Like, I'm watching it, like, oh, this is like a car But accident. who is she going to have good chemistry with? Well, I mean, Sasha makes everyone look good, but she's not going to look great against Paige. She's not going to look as good as she did with Bailey. Even, but, she's not going to look as good as she did with, uh, with goggles. <laughs> Becky. <laughs> Becky, who was, who was amazingly sexy on Monday Night Raw, by the way. But she, she's not going to look that good with any of them. It's like, yo, is she eventually going to be the odd woman out? Because once Bailey's up, she's a rat. Yeah, I mean, Bailey's John Cena. The kids love her. She's going to be huggable and slap every damn hand in the place. And now it's going to be four girls. And it's going to be a four-horsewoman like, takeover. And Paige is going to be like, oh. Let me cut promos on SmackDown. It's yeah. my house. I just, like I said, man, I don't understand these two. They just don't work well together. It's like they're just two kids that don't play well together. They're like, they're like a quarterback and a wide receiver. They're completely out of sync. Everything that they do just feels disjointed. The finish of that match was weird. Like, it felt like she was in the submission hole forever and kind of tapped out. Like, oh, okay, I guess I'll tap out now. It, was, yep. it just wasn't a good match. Um, and then they, they had a match on Raw, which was just equally as bad. Like, it was just weird, and they tried to be stiff, and it was like, it was herky-jerky, and it just didn't flow well. There was no chemistry between those two. Anyway, the, the, the Divas Division is just a travesty right now. Um, then you had Tyler Breeze and Dolph Ziggler, which I don't understand what the hell Dolph Ziggler's wearing these days. And Tyler Breeze going over clean, I understand, but 
that match was just kind of there. Like, why did they even announce that? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't. Once again, I didn't think that was the worst match in the world. Uh, Tyler Breeze is growing on me. I'm glad he got to move up to the main roster. Uh, I like them in NXT. He's a good heel. I mean, they don't have heels. No, they're short on talent. A, yeah, like Tyler's a good heel. Um, if they market him right, and Ziggler is the jobber currently. It's just what he is. And I think Tyler will catch some heat going forward. I mean, maybe when this is done, they give him a, a decent push into a different different forte. Him versus Neville, I think, would come off great again. If they gave him, like, an actual storyline. You got three hours. Let the guys play it out. And, right. you know, the NXT crowd, Tyler's gorgeous. Like, stuff like that. Like, let the fans get into it again. Don't rob that aspect of it because that's what makes Tyler and all these NXT guys special. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, this this match was there. Um, the commentary was weird. Jerry Lawler had some shitty jokes. Uh, <laughs> Dolph Ziggler with the eyeshadow. I'm not understanding. He looks like an 80s rock star that's, you know, like, like Iggy Pop. He's going real 80s rock star. Yeah, I don't like it. But I guess Tyler, you always said him and Breeze have a similar character. Right, which is weird. Why they You're like, pay- Breeze isn't coming up because they have a similar character. Well, now Ziggler's moving away from his character. It, it, which is it's just weird because you had these two come up. They look too they look too similar to have them paired against each other. Then you put them together kind of on a whim because they had some heat a couple of weeks ago and it kind of went away. And then you have this match that's just kind of exists the Survivor Series and now they're going away from each other again. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, but then we went to the, the Brothers of Destruction versus the Wyatt family, which was what the what in the world was this crap? The best thing about the match was the Undertaker's entrance. Yeah, yeah. No, the entrance was great. Um, I guess they put Strowman through a table. I don't understand why it just wasn't four on two. I don't get it. It was like a showcase. I mean, it, it was de facto four on two anyway. It was so. It was like an exhibition game. It was like watching Duke playing some Division three team and just just completely running them over. But that, by the way, Kane has to retire too. He's yeah. flabby and chubby right now. I mean, but why? Like, Kane could have turned heel. Like, there's a number of things that could have happened to make this match kind of interesting. Like, they tried to set up. It was a, a match of, like, different spots. Like, the sit-up spot. They had, like, the double choke slam and the tombstone. Like, it was it was so, like, by the numbers, it, it was boring. And it's basically. And then on Monday Night Raw, like, we have the whites just moving on. Yeah. I guess. No, but, like, the match happens, Undertaker and Kane, they throw their fists up together in sync, and they walk away. The Wyatts are essentially buried, and that's it? That's all we're going to get? Yeah, you know, I was expecting Kane to turn on Undertaker. When he did, like, the one knee, and yeah. they were going for, like, the celebration pose, I was like, oh, Kane's just going to hit him in the back of the head. Nah. Tombstone him, walk out, and then you have a WrestleMania match, like a good retirement match, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't want that Undertaker can win. Yeah, yeah, they could Taker be, gotta beat somebody. Well, not at WrestleMania. Y'all can do that shit at the Royal Rumble Elimination Chamber. Cena ain't gonna beat him at Mania, so unless you have Cena take the dive to Taker, I, I don't know what you want. Well, I don't want to see Kane and Undertaker wrestle. No, no, thank you. I'll pass. I don't want to see either of them wrestle at all. But we're gonna see it. Yeah, well, Damn, I, they're gonna see Sting too. I mean, look, I'd rather see Undertaker Sting just for the sheer novelty of it all, rather than Undertaker Kane for the billionth time at WrestleMania. No, thank you. But either way, didn't happen. Nothing happened. This match was a big shit bowl of nothing that just happened and then it ended and they left and you're like, oh, that's cool. They just had really cool interests. I, I didn't <laughs> care about it. So now we go into the, the main event. And at this point, like, I watch, to be honest, I watched this entire thing on my iPhone 
because I was just not going to put it on my television. I was more interested in I was watching football than watching the, the Survivor Series. Um, but, you know, Sheamus going over on Reigns the way he did, like the spear on Triple H and, you know, the, the way Sheamus came in, two broke kicks, gets the title, Reigns is crying, which is like the greatest meme ever right now. Oh, um, Reigns crying is just comedic gold. But it's just the, the weak, how, Sheamus just looks weak because he's been a mid-carder for so damn long. To automatically jump into the and grab the title on like some last minute stuff because it feels like they wrestled with this idea for weeks, whether to put it on them now or not. But to have Roman Reigns fail at the title again, this shit is getting ridiculous. Cut it out. Yeah, I mean he has to win it before Rumble, or at Rumble, because he's not winning the Royal Rumble again. No, he's not. So now it's like, what's next? So uh, if the Royal Rumble doesn't go to Daniel Bryan, I don't understand it. Because well, to all all signs point at him being cleared, um, and the WWE just being cautious. If you're gonna let the guy wrestle ever again in life, you stick him in that Royal Rumble, have that thing pop, the roof blow off of that damn place, and have him win it. Well, the pro- like the problem is it's hard to put faith in Daniel Bryan because as soon as he comes back, you put a title on him, he gets injured. So it's hard for you to have faith in Daniel Bryan. But they're so strapped for stars right now that it's like. I see they're trying to do with Roman Reigns what they did with Daniel Bryan. He comes so close and then he loses. Now he's got to fight the authority. And it's like, but now it's like he's failed so many times. You're just kind of shrugging your shoulders because he's still he's still in that Batista position where he was. They're trying to force him down our throats, and yeah. you know, Sheamus getting going over on him at at this event. I was like, all right, I guess that's okay. But you know, like Roman Reigns can't lose a TLC. Like he can't get screwed again. It's getting. It's. I, I can't watch it anymore. Somehow we glanced over the fact that they let Ro- Roman cut a promo Ugh. during Survivor Series, and he fucked it up again. <laughs> it was four lines, and KO had to come and save him. Yo, it's. Oh man, he messed up four lines. It, he's just. He's not ready. He's just. That's why I keep saying he's not he's ready. Never gonna be ready. You can't read four lines off a script. They gotta put a teleprompter behind somebody. I don't understand. It's yo, he's frustrating. He's just really frustrating. So, which which leads me to my next point. So Roman Reigns loses to Sheamus, and you have the new authority before they roll into Monday Night, and then you start thinking, Sheamus was, is about to be worse off after he loses the title than before he won it because he's going to go back to mid card obscurity. Um, it's not like they're going to have Sheamus have a rematch with Roman Reigns unless he loses the TLC and gets a rematch at the Royal Rumble, which is a match that really nobody wants to see. No, no one's going to pay to see that headlining, by the way. It's like, dude, what do you do with Roman Reigns? Like, where's the feud? Because you didn't turn Ambrose heel, so you don't really have a feud. So unless Ambrose, unless Dean Ambrose takes the title from Kevin Owens and you have a Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns feud going to the two pay-per-views before Mania, none of this makes sense to me because nothing is hot right now. Well, Kevin Owens is their only heel. Their only decent heel. It's It's crazy because they strip Bray of everything he has. And we've right. seen Bray against both people already. So it's like, um, Bray's not going to win any damn belts. It's not a threat. Yes, Kevin stupid. Owens is the only heel available that has any type of heat, that has any type of credibility, unless you bring back Brock. Yeah, and it feels like you're going to have to make the call. You know, it's like Cena and Brock, it's like, all right, you guys are going to be on speed dial. We're going to need you back soon. Because Yeah, because that U.S. championship, U.S. title, needs Cena. Yeah, Needs it, needs it, needs it. And then... Brock, it's like, yo, we're going to see Reigns win this TLC match, and then he's going to show up as champion on Raw, and Brock, you're going to destroy him. That night on Raw. Yeah. And at the Rumble, 
They're going to have you versus Reigns, and that can go however. Like, if he's not doing well, we're going to take the belt off him just that fast. And, I mean, if now, he- it's, there's so much going on. And we, we could talk about how shitty Raw was. Now, Cesaro's out for four to six months. He's got to have surgery. And he's been carrying matches. Nice to see Rusev back, though. Yeah. So, let, let's talk about Raw. Um, shitty. <laughs> Horrible. Um, worst Raw ratings-wise since 1996, yeah. 19 years. Um but once again, there's no stars. So if there's no stars and you're not really showcasing the bright young talent or new talent from NXT, you're just caught in a really bad place. Like, you, you got to let Owens headline it. Like, why wouldn't Owens versus Ambrose headline Raw? Yeah, dude. Why wouldn't Sasha and Bailey get 20 minutes? Or, excuse me, Sasha and Becky get 20 minutes? I, I don't understand this. Give it to the talented people. So... All right, so, you know, I kind of fast-forward through a lot of this, Rob, but so now we have the new authority of Sheamus, Wade Barrett, and Rusev, which is like the Euro connection, which is like a great tag team, but not to lead It's a good chart. stable. Yeah, it's, yeah. A good, it's a good stable away from the authority. Like, to have Triple H and Stephanie even involved in this is kind of useless. But, like, it's so, it was so dry. Like, I'm watching Sheamus, and he was like, who looks stupid now? And I'm like, uh, you kind of still look stupid. Like, this whole thing is... <laughs> like, You'll forever look stupid. I like Wade Barrett. I feel like he's been misused. But the problem is, is that in the interim, as, as they've been trying to, you know, with Seth Rollins feuding with Kane, they've made a huge mistake of not elevating some of their newer talent and their younger talent to a point that where they, if they make the transition to the main event scene, it feels natural. But now mm-hmm. it's just like you're kind of throwing guys into the scene and they're just not, they haven't done anything to justify it. Wade Barrett being a part of the stable sounds good because it gives him something to do, but he's been getting ran over by everybody for the last few months. Shame Including our truth Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, damn. <laughs> it was so good seeing Rusev come back because now you pulled him out of that shitty angle where with Ziggler and Lana, you thought he was going to get punished. Hopefully Lana comes back sooner than later. But I don't want to necessarily see Rusev as like this enforcer either. I kind of want to see Rusev go beat up Alberto Del Rio, and Del Rio and take back the U.S. title. That'd be amazing. And that'd be good wrestling. <sighs> and... The Del Rio thing is just all fucked up. I mean, you look at that. They brought back uh, the guy. I don't even know his name, but we the people, dude. Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger. It's like, yo, he's been obsolete for a year. The last time he was relevant was against Del Rio. That's what I'm saying. And nobody cared then. So it's just like, okay, so Coulter is like his thing, and then you stole Coulter from me. It's like, I, I don't understand. He's not a relevant wrestler. He was just on the stupid Superstars Weekend show, at best. Like, the drop-off between the U- U.S. Open challenge to now is so drastic. They need Cena on that yeah, ASAP. It's, it's nauseating. It's nauseating because Del Rio's character, like, it, it's clear. The Colter Del Rio thing's just not going to work. It sucks. No. It stinks like shit outside on, on a summer day. And <laughs> now it's like, to bring swagger into the picture, it's like, oh, you know, Alberto, we need something for, for you to do. Wrestle with Jack Swagger over Mex America. That sounds fun. No, thank you. This is, yeah, I mean, that, that, it's, it's a bad. retread. We've yeah. seen this shit. It's all bad. And it wasn't good. Like you said, it wasn't good before we've seen it. Um, the New Day open challenge could have been really cool. Um, I think they're setting up a, a TLC match. Or at least, you know, a tables match or ladder match of some sort at well, TLC. 
isn't it with weird the other that, three teams? Isn't it weird that the Dudleys aren't involved in this in some type of way? Like this pay per view is something that they essentially created. Why are they not involved yeah. in this angle? Well, um, they did do an interview. I read it the other day. Um, I forgot what publication they did the interview for, but I read it and they were like, "We're not going to do a TLC match and disrespect what we've done already, unless we're absolutely positive that it's going to be done correctly and upstage everything else we've done." And they were like, I don't know if we can do that. So we're not going to rush into doing that. And then they asked him, well, who would you do that match with? And they named the New Day and the Usos, which would be my pick for a three-way TLC match. But they are like, it'd be at WrestleMania, and we'd have to top the previous two. And Bubba Ray was, like, very transparent. He was like, you know, he was like, I'm old school, so I don't, you know, break kayfabe like that and all that stuff. But you'd be surprised what goes on behind the curtain to get ready for these TLC matches. And he's like, it's not easy. I believe it. I believe it. It's just, and he was like, unless you're willing to put your body on the line and do stuff that may shorten your career, we can't do it. He was like, I. He was like, the only reason we do it is to put over young talent and elevate new tag teams to a higher level. And I was like, cool, that's the role. But he was like, but they got to do something too, and you have to know that this is about being a tag team, and you have to want to get to that next level. And I'm not sure any of these tag teams now maybe outside of the New Day, are really willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, watching this whole angle play out, it was like, all right, Lucha Dragons. And then Kalisto gets the mic and says something really stupid. I can't remember what you said, but it was really stupid. It was, like, it was half in Spanish. No, yeah. like Sin Cara had said the Spanish part and Kalisto was in English. And whatever Kalisto said was really dumb and forgettable. And I was like, good job building your next Rey Mysterio. But you're watching, like I'm By watching- the way, NXT just signed the next Rey Mysterio. It's not Kalisto. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. What's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, he's amazing, too. Yeah. Um, ah, his name escapes me. I just did the post the other day, too. He is amazing. He is not a small luchador. He is huge for a Lucha Libre guy, and uh, he's going to be legit. Once again, NXT gets everybody. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'm trying to figure out who the hell they, they just signed because my brain is just not working right now. Um El Sombre? Yes, El Sombre. Yes, 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 El Sombre. Jesus, that guy is great. Um, If you look at some of his his matches in the indie scene, he's phenomenal. Anyway, glad they signed him. But this whole, like, New Day is kind of feeling like, you know, I kind of wish that the Brothers of Destruction would put over the New Day. Like, like if you want to turn Kane heel, like, if you're not going to do it with the Wyatt family, if you're not going to make the Wyatt family look strong, at least make the New Day look strong. Oh, it's Um, La Sombra, by the way. Yeah. La Sombra. Yes. Yes, La Sombra. But, um... You know, it's just, I don't know, this whole thing has just been a waste. And it just kind of lent to the shittiness of Raw. Uh, Goldust came back. Nobody cared. Uh, no, no one cared. But uh, I'd like to see him versus Stardust finally get the play it deserves. I'm over Maybe it. let, I don't let even Goldust walk away, do a retirement match or something, do something cool. Yeah, I just don't care anymore. Like, I cared about it a year ago when it seemed like it could have happened. Right now, I don't care. What? Who cares? <laughs> no one cares about anything right now. They're stuck in limbo. They're just trying to get past this holiday season and be like, oh, Royal Rumble. Yeah, I'll we'll be back. Uh, let's just hope for the best. Um, another thing that came out yesterday, it was just a report, kind of dirt sheet thing, but uh, WWE is promoting the return of Sami Zayn on the UK tour and for the NXT London takeover. Yeah, so he'll come back for takeover for whatever reason, but we know where he needs to be. He's he needs to be on the main roster. They desperately. But now KO is in like a new rivalry. For now, 
Like, it seems like he'll have a short, like, Zayn will have a brief run through NXT, and then maybe he'll show up as El Generic on the main roster uh, for Royal Rumble. Like, he needs to be on the main, main roster. There's, we're at a point right now where there's too much talent on the NXT roster and not nearly enough talent on the main roster. Oh, NXT has way better talent than the main roster right now. It's not even close. Better talent, better, better storylines. Um, shit, their divas, even though you moved up the best three, I'd argue that the divas division is better. Yeah, I mean, Nia Jax seems pretty strong. Um, ugh, I don't, uh, don't Asuka is, is looking amazing. Yeah, she's great. Uh, yeah, Every I mean, time I watch her, I'm just like, yo, Andreas has to be losing his fucking mind oh, yeah. watching this chick wrestle because it's so strong style. And yeah. I'm just like, yo, her kicks are just fucking crisp. Just, oh, man, the way she transitions into different submissions, jumping into arm bars and shit. I was just like, yo, this chick is amazing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like, NXT has the talent. Um, and then you go back to Raw, and then you have Heath Slater playing the guitar and Ryback beating the shit out of him. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yo, it's that uh, Triple H is just in the back laughing. Honestly, he has to be in the back just laughing at Vince. Like, yo, do you see what we're doing on Wednesdays? Like, the biggest angle right now in the entire company, it's Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe. They are cutting the best promos. Joe's promo last week on NXT got me hype. Just sitting in front of, like, an outdoor, like, saloon. Yeah, you just, like, you know that you won't be let down. You know what the the best thing about Raw was last night? Think about it. New Day. No, no, no. (laughs) The best thing about Raw last night was the Carl's Jr. commercial with Mark Henry and JBL and El Torito. Oh, that is true. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> Yo, they're... Oh, Raw is crazy. Three hours of just, what the fuck just happened? Yo, I... At this point, I'm just waiting for NXT every week. Yeah. Like, like, to be honest, tonight it's the... Uh, well, you guys will listen to this. If you listen to it past Wednesday, um, it'll be the signing, the contract signing, which is always dope. I expect Samoa Joe to just crush... Finn during the contract signing and then I think this is a long-standing rivalry I don't think they're gonna rush it no I don't think they will either unless they're gonna have to move Joe or Balor up to the main roster sooner than later because of the injuries that have decimated you know the main roster the roster it's very true but I mean well Man. we'll see um I, I expect the Tommy to come back and to kind of make this like a three-way rivalry heading into Wrestlemania for that uh that special and but I, I don't think Finn and, and Samoa Joe are going anywhere anytime soon, man. These guys are, are great. Joe on the mic is great, but he's had so many years of training and seasoning, so that's not unexpected. I mean, he's been a pro forever. He wasn't an indie guy necessarily. You know, he, he's carried a promotion already. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> Joe is great on the mic. Finn not so much, but he's getting better. And yeah. he's just he's red hot. Like he can say whatever, and he still doesn't mess up as much as Roman Reigns. Nah, man, it's just the it's so the glaring differences between NXT and, and Raw right now are ridiculous. So I mean, Crazy. let's let's conclude. Survivor Series and Raw, two pieces of shit back to back. They both stunk, and now it's hard for me to look forward to anything. So for the next few weeks, I'm gonna be watching New Japan and Evolve and PWG, like anything. Yes, I have to catch up on everything New Japan because Wrestle Kingdom is actually sneaking up on us five yeah. weeks. Yes, right on the corner. And I man. can't be blindsided <laughs> by nah. the time Wrestle Kingdom comes, so I have to catch up. Um, hype to see that New Japan guys are coming for the uh, ROH anniversary show here in Vegas. Yep, which we'll be at. So it'll be at. Yep, we'll be there. Uh, the Reverse Rat Pack. Yep, 
be there front and center, and it's dope. I get to see Nakamura in person, so yeah. I'm hype. Yeah, and you know, like Ring of Honor, when they bring their talent, it's like a lot of the times they make them available to fans. Like, I'll, you know, I'll take a picture with Nakamura. Like, that's some stuff I'd actually do. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Because I won't see him again. He'll be back Judge Japan. me. Yeah, judge me if you want to. But it's like, to be, like the, the WWE is so bad right now. It's, it's the perfect time for you, if you're a wrestling fan, to go find Evolve, to go watch Jack Dragon's Gate, to go watch New Japan. Like, watch anything. Because you're, you're PWG, really, whatever. Yeah, Catch up. You're really wasting it. It's about to be Black Friday. So, you know, Black Friday sales. I know PWG does their, like, 5 for 40 sale. Like, you know, there's, there's all kinds of wrestling you can buy. Just don't waste your time being disgusted with WWE right now. Because it is worse shit. I need to catch up on Evolve. They have that one kid who's supposed to be, like, the, the real deal. Uh, what is he, British or whatever? Oh, who's, who's Zack Sabre? Zack Sabre, yeah. Which I got to is... catch up on all his matches. I've, I've seen one and a half yeah, <laughs> of his is... matches, so I got to really see what, what the hype is about. I mean, there's so many guys. Marty Skrull, you know, Will Ospreay. Like, if, go just, if, if you're a wrestling fan and you haven't watched PWG's Battle of Los Angeles, you need to go do that today. Go find it. Do watch PWG Battle Los Angeles 2015 all three all days. three days. <laughs> watch, just watch all three days and how ridiculously amazing it is. And you you probably may not watch WWE product anymore. Yeah, on on the real, the indie circuit is just so good. And I include NXT in the indie circuit. That um main roster at this point is kind of like a luxury. Just glance over it until Royal Rumble. Yeah, use this time to really get to see the future stars and uh, some guys that you might not see again. Hopefully, um, I, I'm praying, which is crazy, that Lucha Underground fails this second season. Hopefully, no one watches and they cave just so I can see uh, Prince Puma, which is Ricochet, signed by the WWE. Uh, all indications were that if it failed, they were going to make a huge push for him because he has like some stupid like a seven-year contract. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to see Lucha fail because I really like the product. Um I'm finally catching up on it. I haven't. I still haven't finished watching the first season of it yet. Well, from all I heard, the Triple A promotion or whatever down there is better. I mean, but Lucha just <clears throat> as as production value is concerned, like it looks good. It looks really good. Like oh, it does. It does. You know. So, um, but I, I need to see these guys in NXT. I'm ready. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I don't want let's WWE. Just keep it going. I just don't want WWE to ruin them. You know, like Kalisto well, it was great as a uh, Del Sol in PWG in the indie scene, and it's like. You know, you don't have to talk on the main rock in in the indie scene. Like talking is not a big deal. Like you get to the WWE, it's like if you can't talk, you're never gonna make it. Some of these guys, I don't need to see you in WWE. I'm fine without it right now. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that wraps up WWE talk. I don't think there's no need for us to take a break this week because there's not too much MMA to talk about this weekend. We had what, UFC Fight Night. Uh, Neil Magny beat Kevin Gastelum, whooped which is good. Short notice. Um, that was a good fight for Neil. I, I don't know how far up he can go. I, it's weird. I don't know if he's a true contender, but um, he's he's good, and yeah. the guy takes a million fights. So he's solid. He's getting was... he's getting paid. The only problem, like the UFC fight night, the fact that you had like they need to stop putting these Ultimate Fighter finale guys on the main card. Cause oh, it kills it. Nobody cares. No, you know, not enough people even watch the Ultimate Fighter Latin America to even be like, oh, I need to really watch this. You get there and you're like, who are these two guys? Eh, I'm good. And it was exactly. a big waste of time. So that's not even the big news this week. The big news this week is. Your boy, John Jones, came, broke his silence, quote-unquote. Had an hour interview with Ariel Helwani. Um, Great interview by Ariel, by the way. Uh, he handled it perfectly, I thought. Um, he, he tried to ask really tough questions. He asked them in a very nice way. Well, I think, I think, think a lot of that was uh, 
no discredit to Ariel. I think Ariel does a good job interviewing. I think he he does ask questions that people want to know. But there were a lot of softballs thrown in there that were really allowed there to make allow John Jones to talk. And uh, I don't I don't know. They every every question had a an escape hatch to it. That's, well, that's that, what that I'll give him. Um, but he tried like that suicide question. He really like tried to sneak it in there. John is like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, did you think about ending it? And then he's just like, like suicide. He's like, nah, I never thought. So like he had to kind of build John an escape route out of every question. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I like- and we, we saw the intent. We talked about this off air and I'll let you explain it. But the intent from the jump was known. As soon as you press play, you, you know what this is. Yeah, it felt like a big propaganda machine for the rebirth of John Jones. Like, from the moment that you hit play on this interview and John Jones is in this school talking to these kids, and you're like, oh, John Jones is doing community service. Well, he's been mandated to do community service. It's like a double-edged <laughs> thing. But it's like, in the midst of all this, he's like, I'm John Jones. I'm a badass. And I like being a badass. And right there, I was like, yep, same old douchebag John Jones. Like, nothing's changed. Yeah, I was like, like ah, you almost got me, John. Almost. Um, the sincerity, I mean, if you're going into it and you're a John Jones fan, you'll, you'll pick out this sincerity and you'll think he's changed and it was a one-time mistake and you'll be a John Jones fan. Um, the guy's amazing in the octagon. Outside of the octagon, I, I don't believe that he's changed. It's the same old, uh, I just prayed and gave my life to God, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it, man. Yeah. I, I, I've heard it. <clears throat> uh, you're not, you're not going to fool me again. I, I personally don't care. Um, I, I don't like that. The persona is different than the man. I would rather him just embrace who he was to the fullest and just go full heel. But if that's not what he wants to do, if he wants to be John Cena, he can be John Cena. Like, I, I got this sense throughout the interview that John Jones, like, he would take some responsibility for what he's done, but he has a vendetta against everybody else. Like, he's mad at the UFC for not having his back. And, he, you know, he's like, oh, they put me in there with Vitor Belfort while he was juiced up. All right, well, you're mad, but you took cocaine. It's like, you know, it's like he's mad. He was like, you know, people turn the fighters, turn their back on me. Yeah, no shit. You did something stupid. Like, he didn't really accept full responsibility for everything that he did. He was like... He didn't didn't accept responsibility for anything. There was a million, million, million excuses in there. Well, I got drunk, and it was at my friend's house, and I just spent the night, but they have a kid... So I was like, yo, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, really? So why, So wait, so they got a kid, but you can party at their crib until 3 a.m. It's like, But try- when it's 2 oh, p.m., man. it's awkward, and you got to get out because they have a kid. That doesn't register to me. Um, oh, you ran back to the car. It looked shady. Well, I remember I had a pipe in the car, and then it just went somewhere else, and I was like, man, I got to get out of there. And it's like, I didn't know who I hit. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, you knew you hit somebody. How about we explain that? Right. It just felt very disingenuous. It felt like John Jones yeah, was, like, he had an axe to grind with so many people. And like, sorry, so right, there's an excerpt out of this that I, I absolutely loved. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you uh, where he goes, it's crazy with the whole cocaine thing, Ariel. I'll look you dead in your eyes. I don't like Coke. I'm not a Coke guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. I feel like right after that. Ariel and post-production should just cut in the, why the fuck you lying? Like, come and then on, cut man. right back to the interview. He made it seem like he did coke one time, which is like, which I've heard through numerous people that have been around him that he's been partying hard for a long time. 
But marijuana is something that other people will rally behind because the whole Nick Diaz thing, you can say, like, oh, man, I smoke, you know, I like my marijuana because Nick Diaz likes it, too. And Cher got behind Burn. Nick Diaz. But he's co- in he's in New Mexico. Weed isn't big in New Mexico. Like it, it, People be fine with a little weed. You got way more bigger problems than weed. Yeah, but he's like cocaine. He's like, dude, I'm not a coke guy because you guys will frown on coke. That's why, like, come on, John. Like, again, this felt like a whole interview was very disingenuous. It just felt like... It, it really was, It man. felt manipulating. It, like, he was trying to manipulate the audience into loving him again. And, and once again, no fault to Ariel. I mean, Ariel no. did the best of what he could with the situation. Once again, if you want an exclusive John Jones interview, and they tell you to do certain shit, you got to do certain shit. He tried to manipulate that, but he, he did get some very coded responses. Like, uh, John Jones is a big fan of Dana White right now. He's like, oh, they would have let me fight, but then I told him I wasn't going to fight. Like, John, I'm not sure if you had as much power in that situation as you feel you did. Really? Though? But, <laughs> oh, I told him I wasn't going to fight, and then they took my belt away. If not, I feel like I could have fought. And you could have stayed champion, and all this shit would have just been cool, John? Like, his head is so messed up. Like, everything revolves around him. It's like, yo, they drove to Albuquerque. I'm pretty sure they were going to strip you of the title. I was like, they run the company, not you. So oh, you're just like, oh, well, they would have let me fight if I want to fight. I'm not sure if that rubbed people the right way in the UFC. Um, he, he said a bunch of stupid stuff like this. Oh, well, you know, I've been partying hard, and it affected my training. Oh, you know what? The biggest time I was partying was against Gustafson. Right. Like, John, cool. So that's that's amazing because you got popped for Coke after the DC fight <laughs> or right before the DC fight. But that's fine. You weren't partying your hardest then because you whipped his ass. The fight that was the toughest for you, that was the most partying you've done. And that's affected you. And that's why Gustafson was so close. Like, it's like, come on, man. There's an excuse for everything. Like, you want, like, I want, like, I want to tell John, like, people want to believe in you, John, but you got to stop blowing smoke up our ass. Like, you're, <laughs> like, you just got to cut it out because you're, you're telling, like, he's the type of guy that gets caught in a bold-faced lie and is willing to take it to his grave, even though he knows the truth will set him free. Like he's No, he lies so much, he believes the lies. I know people like that. Yeah. Where you lie so much, after a while, you forget that shit was a lie. You really believe what you're saying out of your mouth, even though you know it's not the truth. Yeah, so I don't really know at the end of the day whether this interview did more harm than good for John Jones. Hopefully it opened the door. Now... We needed the first one. As media members who cover UFC and mixed martial arts, we needed the first one. Because now we can go in and ask whatever we want. I just, the, the, the veil has been lifted. Hopefully he doesn't say no comment. I addressed that already. No comment. Like, that'd be the worst shit. That's Don't direct me back to this interview. Because now you open the doors and there's holes in this interview. Let us ask the questions we're supposed to ask. I don't, I don't want to be at Media Week on his first fight. And they said, you know, talk to John, but he's discussed his thing. He's only going to talk about this fight. Everything he's, he's discussed, everything in his past, don't ask him about that. I'll be like, oh, well, I ain't got shit to ask him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I feel. You know, the, the, I, I wish I could have been sitting in the living room of Dana White watching this interview with him to get his genuine reaction. Oh, when he, when he said the belt thing, I know Dana got up. I was like, fuck out of here. He <laughs> <laughs> just walked out. Like, that was the end of Dana watching this interview. I mean, like, oh, he was still going to fight? Fuck out of here. Bet- he just walks out the room. Between that and then him saying that they were trying to set him up with Vitor Belfort and that they were using him for uh, the Chael Sonnen fight, 
it was just like, all right, I know the UFC is not, their hands are not completely clean of any situation, but they're a business. Like, in, like, you know, every, every organization we look at as the enemy. The NFL, we look at Roger Goodell, we look at the NBA, you know, even though Adam Silver's not the worst guy in the world, but we look at baseball, like, we look at these organizations as the enemy, like the authority. We look at them as bad. You don't have to turn them into the bad guy because most people already believe it. But at a certain point, you're like, John, shut the fuck up. Like, he wanted the pity party, yo, and and it's easy to attack the man. He's conspiracy brother from Undercover Brother. <laughs> it's just so easy. Like if you want to pin it on someone, pin it on the man. Because yeah. listen, we we don't want the pity party. You don't need our sympathy. You need to train. You need to come in. You need to fight. That's all we got to see from now on. Because we know who the real John Jones is. Give up the act. Stop trying to sell us something different. Just go in there, fight, be the best fighter in the world. Yeah, we know John Jones likes to party. We know he likes a little bit of blow. We know now that he likes hot Funyuns or hot Cheetos and condoms. That's cool. Yeah, he even we also know he's the no, no, hell no. Like, yo, what type of house party you at, John? So uh, you just needed mad Magnum condoms, (laughs) like so. uh, And two o'clock in the you know two p.m. You had a bowl right there. I'm assuming you were high. You were no longer drunk from the night before. But you were high because you had the munchies. Explain that. Um, so it's just like, yo, stop feeding us the bull. You're number one fighter in the world. You're the best fighter in the UFC. And I'd, I'd put that, you could probably be heavyweight champion tomorrow. I'm not putting it against them. You're in the best shape of your life. You're probably going to come out here and run through DC and whoever the hell else they put in front of you. Move up a division. Beat the hell out of Kane or, or uh, whoever's the champion at that point. And then you can walk off into the sunset, do as much partying and blow as you want. Yeah. And that's probably going to be the end of your career. And you're going to go down as the best fighter in UFC history. But you're going to still be a horrible person. Well, it is what it is. Um, on that note, you know, it's time to head into the holiday weekend. I can't talk about John Jones. He's making me sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got to prepare to make this mac and cheese. Yes, sir. So I, so I can bless these people's lives who've never had it before. Indeed. So with that... We are out of here. Uh, next week, man, we get, we'll put together a good show. Like we said, we're trying to end the year big, so we have a couple of good show ideas. Um, trying to put together an award show, which I think will surprise you guys, and it'll be really dope, and I think it'll be a fun episode. So we have that coming up in December. UFC week is coming up really quick, so we're going to be busy as hell, but we'll probably crank out a couple of episodes of the podcast that week. I'm sure Andres is down because we're going to be around each other the whole damn weekend. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he says that like he doesn't like seeing me. Uh, yeah, we well. have this reverse Rat Pack uh, group text going on, and these guys just they don't want to admit what I bring to the table. Yeah, we'll save that for they, another show. They, they think I'm crazy. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, hit us up on social media, at the corner LSN, Twitter, Instagram, everything else. My personal Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Kel Dansby. Yep, and I'm at Andreas Hill. Pretty easy, man. Until next time, we're out. Peace. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. All the corners, niggas, rise and kill